before the show, we'd like to thank our sponsors. We'd like to thank Jones Beefmasters and Mr. Clark Jones. Uh, always has a great sale in June. Thank you for your support. We would like to thank the Beefmaster Educational Endowment Fund, or BEEF. Thank you for what you do for the breed and Beefmaster Banner. We would like to thank the Southeastern Beefmaster Breeders Association, uh, or SEBA, as a lot of people know it. Be on the lookout for their sale August 26th. We'd like to thank Emmons Ranch Beefmasters uh, with multiple sales a year and production sales. Um, be on the lookout for their stuff. We'd like to thank CNM Ranches of Kershaw, South Carolina. Uh, great people, great genetics. Be on the lookout for uh, cattle and different sales throughout the year. Thank you for your support. We'd like to thank Lissy's Beefmasters for all you do um, and be on the lookout. They have three sales a year, so be on the lookout for their genetics. We'd like to thank MLS Tubs for their support. Uh, if you need any kind of supplements or, or tubs be on the lookout for them and uh, give them a shout uh, again thank you to all of our sponsors we really appreciate it we couldn't do it without you well welcome to Beefmaster banner i'm your host jared strickland and this time's a little different josh morrison he's out on vacation so uh we're uh, you're gonna be stuck with just me this time around on as far as the hosting the podcast but uh, we'll jump right into it. We got uh, Mr. Kevin Renwick uh, with us here today, and uh, he's with uh, Ag South uh, Farm Credit over in South Carolina. So, how you going? How's things going with you, Kevin? Jared, I appreciate you guys having me on tonight. It's going very well. Uh, starting to get a little dry in this area, and the, the heat's turning up. Um, but other than that, it's kind of hard to complain. Yeah, it's getting it's getting dry here, which we're taking the opportunity. We've been in the and it been in the hay field the last couple of days trying to get something laid down and but it is getting hot it's 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 still pretty muggy but and we've had been fortunate we've had rain over the last you know month or so and got a pretty good hay crop pretty good calves are looking real good from the spring so them cows giving plenty of milk with all that grass that got going on but maybe i'll catch some rain here for long yeah but it's uh it's not been too bad, but I, I kind of looking at the weather pattern and uh, I'm usually pretty optimistic, but I think we'll get start to starting to head into a dry spell for a little bit. Well, you take like last year, most everybody was in drought, I reckon last year, and it's always <clears throat> recent on your mind. You know, we had a pretty good dry spell in May and early June. And I was thinking, oh, here we go again, but it finally turned back on. But there's a lot of folks that's still dealing with a lot of dry weather, especially in the Midwest. So maybe things will shake out for them as well but, but anyway just to get going kevin uh just if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself uh, your history and uh, i hear that you're in the angus cattle and beef master cattle so that'd be a good new pers different perspective for for our listeners yeah so uh, i guess dating back uh went into business with my father uh, in the cattle business about 19 years ago or so i was in college or in the middle of college at the time and uh, shortly after that, we transitioned over and bought some registered Angus and have been doing doing that deal for, for a good while now. Um, our operation consists of um, about 250 acres of pasture and maybe another 150 of hayland. Uh, most of it's owned, but we do lease, lease some of it. Uh, we run about 100 mother cows, cab out about 100 a year or so. And uh, I would say of that, we we try to get 30% uh, or so AI and ET, um, utilize that technology in our 
in our herd and the rest, uh, you know, get to go out with the cleanup bull. But uh, here recently, we've uh, incorporated some beef master genetics into our program. Uh, met met you and Josh out at uh, Next Gen before and made good friends. And uh, we uh, we think it's a good relationship. Um, flushed, a, flushed a couple of our younger donors to uh, some black beef master bulls and have some calves on the ground. And then we actually uh, did an IVF flush from a on an Angus cow that we're uh, good friends with uh, to to the Motown bull. So, got some exciting things going on and and uh, going from there. Okay, so you're looking at trying to make the the adventures out of the uh, those embryos you're working with. Yes, that's exactly right. Uh, register those advancers, uh, sell those bulls that are that are quality enough, and uh, I think the females are going to be really good. I just don't have enough of them on the ground yet. So, yeah, yeah, I hear that. It's always a that's always a challenge, especially when you're looking at at uh, embryos. Are you doing any? Um, are you breeding like uh, any like just bulls straight to some Angus cattle, or are y'all using that on commercial? As far as a beef master bull, well, we're using them on the registered Angus cows, so we're we're creating a, that true half blood. Okay. Uh, right now, we haven't gotten to the next cross yet. So that'll, that'll take some time. But you are looking to do another cross on the half-bloods? Yes. We're, on my end, we'll probably uh, go back Angus again and see how that works. Okay. Um, not not totally against going Beefmaster back on that advancer, but uh, just kind of going with it for now and seeing how those crosses work. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure uh, you'll have some success either way. Either way you go, those, those half-bloods are really good cattle. I've got me and dad, we've had, which we're slowly transitioning back, you know, all to registered beef master, but we've had really good luck with our Angus cattle and beef master bulls. It's just been, the heifers are easy to sell and the steers, they're, they work good as far as if you want to sell them through the stockyard, they do good. Or if you want to feed them out for freezer beef or set them out and feed them out. So they've done, done good. So I think you're really onto something. And I've, I figure there's going to be a lot of demand for those adventure bulls once we get enough of them out there and, and people know that, what the advantages are of them yeah the the first one we raised uh you know he was developed in a pen with other angus bulls that we sell and uh you know didn't really promote him or anything like that and a lady come along and needed two bulls and you know came to get angus bulls and i just pointed the bull out and she picked him so yeah. uh, he was easy enough to sell that's right well that's always a good thing to have well i guess kind of moving forward the topic really tonight is uh more about finances we haven't had we've done i'm thinking 30 something episodes and i'm not sure what the exact number but we haven't really talked a whole lot about the finances of of uh the cattle operations beef master commercial however you want to put it but it's really one of the most important parts so if you ain't got money or access to money uh, it's hard to to make a business run without it so uh but uh i just thought i'd let you get started and kind of talk about uh your day job, I guess, would be the be the be the thing. Uh, we all seem like we all part time cattle farmers and have to work every day. But uh, anyway, if you want to, just tell us a little bit about you about your job at Axe South and what you can do for you what you guys do. Yeah, Jared, you're exactly right. The uh, the financing part is is definitely my primary job, and cattle cattle come second second for sure. Um, Ag South is a part of the farm credit system. 
uh, farm credit system. Uh, there's a there's a farm credit in every state in Puerto Rico and and so forth where people can have access to ag lending uh, that is not the government but but formed um, from the government. And so we aren't a bank and we aren't a credit union. We're actually just a lender. Okay, so we won't take your deposits. Uh, you wouldn't set up a checking account with us or anything like that. Uh, but we were set out there to make loans to farmers for operating purposes, for real estate purchases, and also for the rural community. You know, we can do houses too. You don't have to be a farmer. Uh, but our primary customers are part-time farmers and full-time farmers. Uh, we do offer some other services beyond lending. Uh, we also do crop insurance. And we also do some um, other type of uh, lending that's outside of the brick and mortar bank. Uh, we've got some uh, lending through the dealers. So whether it's uh, Ag Direct, where maybe you're at, or Farm Credit Express in my territory, a lot of the dealers uh, are signed up with us. So if you don't want the uh, the uh, financing from Kubota or Deer, uh, you could get our financing actually through them, through their dealership. Okay. So those those are some of the things that we do. Um, Ag South specifically covers about a third of Georgia, two thirds of South Carolina, and now over half of North Carolina. Oh wow, y'all covered covered a big big area there. Yeah, we just merged with another farm credit and, and basically doubled in size back in March. So we're all okay. learning learning some new things too. Oh, I hear that. Well, I just uh, I, I find it neat that that we actually. Are pretty fortunate as farmers to, you know, uh, in rural communities have uh, access to these type of organizations to get their get their money because it's sometimes can be difficult. Because I even back when I first started, and that's already that was probably when I got out of school in 2012. I went to the bank to try to get a little money to borrow to to uh, to buy some cows, and the bank was like, "Ah, oh, we don't do that anymore. You know, cows are not equity in our eyes. You know, or I had, they were looking at, I had to, you know, they wanted me to refinance a house or something like that, you know, to get it, get it put in that. And I was like, I didn't want to do that. But then I, for me, I run into the farm service agency and, and got a, some advantages to first time, uh, first time uh, farmer loans and stuff like that. So those, those are out there too. I don't know if you want to expand on maybe some potential programs y'all have with help a first-time farmer or a young farmer looking to expand i guess yeah so kind of circling back to what you mentioned jared uh what that banker probably meant to you that day was that the collateral really wasn't good you know mm -hmm. um if he just places a lien on your cows he probably doesn't feel real comfortable about it because if you get in trouble you you might sell those cows and they not be there when he comes to pick them up when you quit paying <laughs> Yeah. So that's probably the bigger thing when it comes to cattle lending. If you don't have a, a property to pledge, you know, or, or, or comfortable pledging that the security for a loan. Um, the way I look at it is, uh, you know, folks that I know are folks that have uh, excellent credit on their credit score. You know, they pay their bills. OK, so they're, they're going to pay this. So I don't mind uh, doing those types of scenarios if somebody wants to buy a herd and I just take a. Uh, you know, a lean, an official lien on that herd, uh, I can feel comfortable with that. It's the ones where you don't feel comfortable and that's all you got to stand on if somebody quits paying you. So 
that's typically what it is. Uh, you know, FSA does some unsecured lending on, on small stuff like microloans, and we've actually started doing some of that too. But the policy, you know, does tie back to, you know, high credit individuals is what it does. Um, when we have some that are, that are marginal, you know, whether it be just a, a young person with uh, limited credit, not bad credit, just limited credit, you know, we've got to look at things to uh, get a little bit more creative on, on what we might can take, whether that's some some equipment that's owned or or something else. So, uh, as far as as far as new people getting in the business, there there are some programs per se on smaller loans that could help a, a young person get in at a at a small level. When you start talking about bigger projects or a young person wanting to borrow. You know, just say I'm all I'm flat out farming on about two or three million. That's when it gets kind of tough um, to, to to connect the dots on that and, and and try to make that happen. But on a smaller scale, there's there's lots of programs out there. Okay, cool. And this is something we kind of moving on. Uh, I was talking with you a little bit about when we first got on. Was uh, I'm looking at when my law, I've been getting all my loans through Farm Service Agency, but I'm looking at. They have an operating loan, but it was more like a like a I'm trying to think. It's like a twelve month loan, pretty much, and it's it's not a it's not a revolving type of account or whatever. So I've been looking, mm -hmm. been talking with my farm credit guy here in my local area about getting an operating loan that's a revolving loan. So could you I, could you kind of explain how an operating loan could be beneficial to guys that may have never had one or or looking to expand in a, a way that this may be beneficial to them. Yeah, so if I'm trying to simplify your question and, and help the audience out on operation loan, operating loans and how they work exactly, your FSA guy and the way your loan is structured, you know, is really similar to what we would do too. You know, you get a loan for 12 months. Um, you know, we, we want to tailor it to your, to your cash flow. We don't want to set it up maturing on a month, you know, before you sold the cattle or something like that. So we want to match it to when, uh, you know, when you would sell the majority of your product, whether that's, you know, a calf crop or a, uh, any kind of commodity crop or whatever. So we want to tailor it to, to your needs. Uh, FSA is a little bit limited. They're going to have to ask for all that information every year as far as your taxes and profit and loss statement, things like that. For some of the smaller operating loans now, uh, 50, 50 to 100K, if you're already an existing customer with us, then and you got good credit, it's uh it's pretty much a put it in the system and and renew it every year. Come in and sign the papers. Moment. Um, you start getting into the bigger bigger deals, or uh, you know, row crop farmers might need you know million dollars, two million dollars for you know for operating. You know, they're they're gonna have to provide the documentation uh, when we're when we're starting to talk about that scale. Um, but for what you're wanting to do, and we've got several programs out there that should be pretty painless for uh, getting approved and then renewing it every 12 months. There is a, we do do a three-year line of credit for excellent customers. So you might get to the point where they'll let you, let you do that. Um, but other than that, the whole idea of it is that you, you know, you draw the money out and then you have this one part of your year where you sell the most of your product and then you pay it off and then you turn around and do it all over again. So that's kind of how it works. And that's kind of what I was, that was my downfall with the FSA operating deal was kind of like you explained, which was that 12 months is up. You pretty much, you pay, 
but it's like when you let's say you you want to do that same amount for the next year and you just like you just start all over again you know it's like taking out a brand new loan and, and all that and i like the idea how y'all once you kind of on a small scale like you're saying 50k or so you, you know you can when you get paid back up you're you're pretty much right back in there ready to go again you know that's right so i can see the advantage of that so and what what happens jared on the operating lines that, that don't get paid off is we're trying to prevent you from snowballing from year to year you know if you if you borrow 50 and you pay it down to 10 that's all you could do you know we're not going to tell you we're not going to make you another on the next year but if you do the same thing next year now you owe 20 that you couldn't pay for with your with your your farming plan or whatever you were doing and if you keep doing that every year you get yourself into debt that you with, with what your operation is doing you can't get out of so mm -hmm. it's really we we want to loan you the money and we want to earn the interest off of it but we're kind of trying to protect you as well yeah and that that's good to have somebody on your side because it can a couple bad years or maybe a mismanagement could get you in a, a way to where you may not necessarily lose the farm but make it a lot harder to keep going that's right well speaking of interest rates here's one question before we kind of get close to wrapping up but um how do you see like these higher interest rates the land and input costs being so high how do you affect how do you see that affecting uh cattle ranching going forward and maybe some of your loan programs as well yeah so you know currently we're in what we would consider a high rate environment um i'm 40 years old uh I haven't experienced in my time uh, rates, you know, a little bit higher than what they are now. I obviously work with people that have, um, you know, people talk about having 13% on their home loan, you know, back at one time, that's something that we can't even really fathom <laughs> right now. But, uh, but yeah, it's very high and it's, it's been high, you know, it's been high for a couple of years now. And with what we're seeing, you know, as much as we want it to go down tomorrow, um, you know, that's not what they're forecasting. This is going to be a little bit longer drawn out thing than, than, uh, than we're used to. Okay. What we were used to was it being low for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a lot, lot different for us to get, get accustomed to. Um, as far as land prices, man, land prices are just, uh, man, they may be backed off a, a percentage from where they were when everybody was moving for COVID and, getting out of the cities and so forth. And we were just, you know, covered up people buying land, but it hadn't backed off much. And I just don't see it coming off, uh, you know, in the next 10 to 20 years, I don't see it having any kind of negative reaction to, to whatever's going on politically or whatever, maybe like the housing market would, I just don't. So what that means for people wanting to expand and whatnot is that even with calf prices like they are now, if you couple interest rates and, and the price you have to pay for land, if you're not paying cash for land, it's uh, that's tough to make cattle pay for what you're wanting to do. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> you have to be very, uh, very efficient in all other avenues to make that work. And again, I'm, I'm saying that when I know what today's calf prices are worth, they're good. Um, but we've got so many input costs. Um, and if you're buying a large track of land and paying eight or 9% interest, uh, I don't care if calves are bringing 250, 275. It's just not gonna, not gonna help you pay for that that 100, 200, 300 acres. It's just not. No, it's it's more of a 
Yeah, I got, that's kind of what we've talked about in the past, or well, not even in the past, just right now. You just have to, you, you got to have some kind of other money or income or something to pay for that because cattle ain't going to do it. Even with, like you're saying, with the high prices of uh, of uh, calves, it's just, because here locally, you know, uh, me being an extension agent, I get calls all the time of the new folks moving in and and they're buying these farms for hobby or for investment or for anything. And, you know, apparently relatively to where they're coming from, it was cheap here, but it's not cheap to the locals that's lived here for a while or whatever. That's it's, it's going to have a long-term effect. I think as far as uh, being able to operate in a, in an environment like that, because we just see a lot of people buying land and not necessarily even doing anything with it, you know, it's just there for them to look at and enjoy, you know, and takes away several, several farmers out of that way, that way too, you know. Yeah. So for, you know, people that have a day job and make, you know, what average to slightly above average American makes, you know, uh, he can have a farm. Um, but if, if he wants to expand and buy another 50 or hundred acres and he's wanting to actually, you know, not use it as a tax write off, actually, you know, try to try to build some equity and and make a few dollars. It, it's very tough. It's easy for the guy to, uh, you know, sell sell his million dollar property uh, somewhere in the northeast and come down here and and buy a nice track. But he might be retired. He's not having to to uh, make yeah. anything off of it. So uh, it's just it is different. And and that that guy's probably going to buy a few cows and not really have to be in business for long. He might decide one day he wants to sell them and plant pine trees or something <laughs> that's right see a lot of that going on too uh but then uh you know and that's the unfortunate thing with cattle it's very cyclical so you could have good prices now but let's say let's hope that they don't go down but say three years from now we'll maybe back to the you know dollar fifty kind of range and you just hope the cattle pay for themselves at that point much less land and everything else that goes with it yeah, and I, I'm not trying to be negative as a as a lender or, or whatever. The uh, the market looks great for the next, you know, we hope two or three years or maybe longer than that. So it's a it is a good time and I hope everybody takes full advantage of where we're at and, and gets their bills paid and, and sets themselves up nicely for, you know, when it does get back to more of what we're used to. Yeah, I I kinda miss it too because my I think I took a loan out a couple of years ago back when the COVID deal on my, maybe that operating loan, I think it was like a percent and a half or something like that. And then now you look at it and it's like you're saying six, six to 8%, depending on if you're going through the government or somebody else, that, that, uh, that sucks up profit pretty quick. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a timber guy that's a timber buyer of mine and it's time to renew his line of credit for purchasing, you know, stumpage and all that stuff. And called him the other day to ask for tax returns. And he was like, yeah, um, I'm gonna need your money again one day, but he said I'm not. I'm not gonna use it right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Yeah, it's just uh, that's just the way it is, though. But <clears throat> but like you, I, I, you feel like we're probably in this in this for a while as far as interest rates the way it's looking. You think? Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say the next election can't affect it some, uh, but they are still adjusting on prime rate. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll say this. From what I've seen, the last few rate adjustments that the feds have done, our rates might go up for a week, 
but then they kind of come back down in that general area that they've been at for about six months now. Yeah. Um, I think they're kind of stabilized, but I don't see them just dropping back down to seven, six, five, you know, anytime soon, unless we have some kind of COVID again or some kind of national crisis that's, uh, that's going to hit us and make us do something like that. If we're, if we're continuing on like we are, uh, I think they're fairly stable. In other words, I, I don't, I don't think we're just going to continue to climb, but mm-hmm. I also don't see the, uh, the near six to 12 month future being a, a decline. That's right. Well, I'm in the camp of hoping they go down cause I'm in the middle of a house construction project. So I'm yes, hoping sir. for that refinance mortgage deal kind of deal coming, but we'll just have to see what we get, but Not it makes me feel better that you don't think they're going to go up much more. Maybe uh, that's, my, that's just one man's opinion. Yeah, that's right. Well, yep. we all got one. Who knows who's right? You know, right? But anyway, well, we sure appreciate you coming on here and talking a little bit about finance. And uh, if um, if any of the listeners are out there looking to get in with uh, a farm credit around them, I'm sure Kevin can probably help you out and get you <clears throat> hooked up with the right people, or he might could do some lending for you yourself. And also uh, definitely be watching out for them adventures uh coming down the line i'm anxious to see them i talked to ben here a while back he uh he was talking about how they were looking pretty good so i'm hoping uh anxious to see them yes sir we're excited about them too yeah but anyway appreciate you coming on and and looking forward to maybe talking with you some more about it another time come back on if you want to and like i said if uh, we get any questions about finance we may send them your way (laughs) sounds good jerry all right. Well, you have a good evening. All right. You do the same. See you. Well, we want to thank everybody for listening to the Beefmaster Banner podcast. Uh, please know that we are on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and we are on YouTube. Just search Beefmaster Banner. Please like, share, comment, and subscribe. We love hearing from you, um, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.